Good morning. Welcome to everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church and delighted to welcome you this morning in Cafe Worship in Perry, Oklahoma, and in any place where people are joining us by video. We love you and, and are delighted to, to welcome you to participate in this worship service. Everybody, open Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. I'm going to give you some time to get there because that's a hard one to find. It's in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. If you can find the big book of Psalms, and then after that, the big book of Isaiah, followed by the big book of Jeremiah, right after Jeremiah, I believe, is Ezekiel. But it is not cheating to use the table of contents in the front of your Bible. Uh, you, you can do that. While you're turning, let me say something very important uh, to you as a church body. Woodburn Baptist Church, we talk an awful lot about the 2020 vision. That is what we believe is the mission God has given us to plant uh, to advance the kingdom of God, to uh, fulfill the Great Commission, to do our part anyway, by planting churches. Our goal, our mission is to plant 20 churches by the year 2020, which is, if you're good at math in your head, that is how many years away? Yeah, 2020 sounds like a long way off until you realize that it's 2014, and we're talking about what God wants us to do in the space of about six years. So the problem is not our mission, the problem is not our path, the problem is our pace. And we need to find a way together to, 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 to make our pace uh, more rapid, more efficient in order to fulfill what God wants us to do. So what we want to propose is the formation of something called the Church Planting Network. And we're going to start this conversation today. The Church Planting Network is uh, a, a team, a group we want to start in our church which will provide a more direct and strategic connecting point for those that God will call alongside of us to plant churches. Uh, it is called the Church Planting Network for now, and we will discuss it fully tonight in family meeting. One of our deacons, Brian Mefford, is in position to lead this team through its startup, and I want you to be in prayer. The document I hold in my hand, there's a copy for you on the table as you come in. So, so take a copy of this, read all about what we're talking about. It really is a, sort of a brand new idea for us, but it does seem to be a way for us to uh, be more realistic about accomplishing what God wants us to do. So read this, come back tonight ready to discuss at family meeting. We will not decide this tonight. We will decide this a month from now after a month of prayer and seeking the Lord and talking together. We'll decide in the month of May in a family meeting, but... This document is on the table for you today. Find out what the church planting network is and let's discern together if it's what God has for us. So find that document today. Book of Ezekiel is where we'll be this morning in, in the message uh, entitled Death Valley. Ezekiel, uh, the book in the Bible is of course named after the prophet whose name was Ezekiel. That wasn't a trick question. His, his friends probably called him Zeke if he had any friends because I'm telling you this is a weird dude. Uh, you just read, need to read the book of Ezekiel. This is a very, very strange man. Um, perhaps the strangeness has helped him, has benefited him because he is a survivor. He's a survivor of what is one of the first of several, I suppose, Jewish holocausts throughout history. Uh, Ezekiel himself was a, 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 a survivor of the war which caused his people to be completely plundered and defeated. The lucky ones, the survivors, were taken off uh, as prisoners of war into Babylon, and that's where Ezekiel has lived his life. He lost his wife in the war, never remarried. He is now in Babylon. Uh, at the time of his writing, he's in Babylon. He's, he's preaching. Uh, he's, he's an odd preacher. I know you know odd preachers, but this guy is, is really a, a, an odd preacher. Sometimes his experience of the presence of the Lord will leave him speechless for weeks. 
There are times when his experiences in the Lord have paralyzed him bodily. I'm telling you, he's, he's a, a, a very strange man. However, the, the difficult thing is that the people he's called to preach to are every bit as, as hard-headed and hard-hearted, and, and that makes his job difficult. That They never, ever actually listen to him. He has these amazing visions and, and sort of raptures in the Lord where the way he describes it, it's almost as if God grabs him by the hair and picks him up and, and, and takes him places and drops him in the middle of something that he needs to see so that he can go, go back and preach what he needs to preach. And interestingly and beautifully, what he ends up preaching is often a message of hope for a hopeless people and an impossible people. So Ezekiel chapter 37, take a look at one of these, his sermons. It's a familiar passage to some of you, others it'll be brand new, but listen to how the Lord will speak to you today. In Ezekiel chapter 37, in the valley of dry bones, listen. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor, and they were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones live again? Can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know, say it, you will know what? I am the Lord. You will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke the message just as he told me, and suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise. There was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together, attached themselves as complete skeletons. Awesome. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, and then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, preach a message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I preached, I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. And they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man. These bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. 
That's good. That's good. Someone said that human beings are the only creatures in all of creation that are able to think about the future. Think about it. Human beings are the only ones capable of thinking about the future. Any animal, any other creature, any plant you can name really doesn't have that concept of tomorrow, but we do. It's part of what makes us separate. It's part of that image of God. We can see, and we can imagine, and we can think about the future. We can think about tomorrow. And when it comes to thinking about the future, we tend to fall into one of two categories. Some of us dream. Some of us are able to imagine a tomorrow that's much better than today. We can imagine a tomorrow that's filled with sunshine and blessings and rainbows and whatever else, uh, NCAA championships, I mean, whatever it is that you want to dream of. Uh, some of us are able to think of tomorrow and dream, and it's not just about being optimistic, but call it that if you wish. Some people dream, and, and then sometimes we, we, we dread. Sometimes we think about the future, and it doesn't seem rosy. It doesn't seem promising. Some of us honestly live this way where we don't ever think about tomorrow being better than today. As a matter of fact, we usually just assume that things can never be better, that things will perhaps just go from bad to worse. Sometimes we dream, sometimes we dread, but we always think about the future. We just can't turn that part of our minds, of our spirits off. We, we think about tomorrow. The People of God in the book of Ezekiel, they think about tomorrow, but they are in that category of, of only always thinking about it in terms of dread. They only have good memories of the past. They really don't have any fond imaginations of the future. And you can hardly blame them. You can hardly blame them. These are survivors who have seen the worst. They have seen their nation completely plundered. They have seen most of their friends, neighbors, most everything they have ever known, no longer exists. It's been completely demolished, destroyed. Now they are prisoners. They are forced kind of in a slave labor camp to clean out the canals by the river Kabar. That's what Ezekiel says. This is his new life. This is all that he does. He, he sludges around hip deep in a, in a river, in a canal, keeping it clean for the people who despise him. This is his life. This is the life of everybody that he knows, and these are the people that he's called to preach to. So in some ways, you can sort of forgive them or at least understand why they don't have an optimistic picture of the future. This is why they say, we're just like a sack of dry bones. We're just dead. We're as good as dead. As a matter of fact, some of them would probably say, I wish I could just die. If I could die, then I wouldn't have to live another day like today. If I could just think of my life as over, because it is over. We're finished. That's what they say. It's all finished. With nothing to look forward to, no hope. No hope. Now, it's interesting here, because if you read not just this chapter, but if you read the whole book of Ezekiel, and as a matter of fact, if you just read the Bible, you'll find out that God is a God of hope. He's a God of hope. And when the people lose hope in this way, you can't miss the certain fact here that God takes that personally. God takes it personally. When people lose hope, God says he needs to step down and make sure they know that he is God. You understand? When people lose hope, there's something of God that they've also lost. So let me tie some things together for you. Understand this. Hope and faith go together. 
Hope and faith go together. So whenever you lose hope, you've lost faith. They go together. You can't separate them. You can't say that you have faith in a God for whom all things are possible when you no longer believe that that a, a happy tomorrow is possible. You understand? Faith and hope go together, absolutely together. And when you lose hope, you've lost faith. This is why God takes it personally. Scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without hope, it's impossible to have faith. Hope and faith go together. Let me call your attention back to an old definition of faith that comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You're used to this definition. Read it with me. Faith is the... Confidence. Faith is the confidence. Sometimes we say that the evidence, the assurance. Faith is the confidence that what we say the word hope. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. That's from Hebrews chapter 11, New Living Translation. Faith is the confidence. Faith is the assurance. Faith is the evidence of hope. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Now let's have some fun with Greek. Are you ready? There is another way to translate this word, another way to translate this verse. Dr. William Lane, one of the best scholars of the book of Hebrews, would argue that Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 should be translated this way. Faith is the, say the word, celebration. Faith is the celebration of things hoped for before they happen. Celebration. Faith is the celebration of the things that you hope for even before they happen. Isn't that amazing? So faith and hope go together. And somehow when faith and hope come together, there's always this mixture of joy. Despite the fact that what we are presently going through isn't necessarily joyful or even what we hope for. Do you understand? Faith always keeps us looking forward to what God promises, to what God says he's going to do. And God's already said he's going to make all things new. God's already said that this story that you're living, this story of your life, it ends well. You understand? It ends well because it ends with the Lord, and he is the one who in the end is going to redeem all things, wipe away all tears. You understand? We're all going to live a story that is glorious. And so we can begin celebrating the things we hope for even before they happen, and that's what faith is. You understand? Faith and hope, they just go together. They go together, and if you lose hope, you've lost faith. And God takes that personally. So here's a big question today, back to Ezekiel chapter 37. How do we celebrate, how do we celebrate when we are in a valley of bones? How do you celebrate when your whole life just feels like a sack of dead bones? Where's the celebration in that? Where do you find hope? When there is nothing in the circumstances, nothing in what you see around you that would make you believe to any degree that tomorrow could be better than today. How do you celebrate when life becomes a valley of dead bones? Remember last week I said that sometimes when you're asking a question that seems to have no answer, you you do what? You, You ask a new question. You ask a new question. Since that went over so well last week, I'd like to hammer that again this week. All right? I want to just point out to you the amazing part of this story. 
God lifts Ezekiel up and puts him down in the middle of this, of this valley of, of, of dry bones. And, and he walks him around. Don't miss that fact. He has him tour this valley and inspect these bones very carefully. In my mind, I wouldn't have to look very long. They're bones. They're dead. That means something used to be alive, but now it's totally dead. They're dried up, which is to say these things aren't even close to having life. Everything that ever spelled life is now gone. These are dry, dead bones. And God makes Ezekiel tour the entire valley and inspect, and there's nothing there that's alive, nothing that's breathing, nothing that even has moisture. They are dry, dead bones. How do you celebrate in the middle of a valley of dry bones? Well, maybe that's the wrong question, which is why God gives Ezekiel the gift of a new question. And what's the new question? What does God say in verse 3? A brand new question. It's the question that Ezekiel would have never thought to ask. And what is the question? God provides it. Now, remember the Harris rule of biblical interpretation Whenever in the Bible God asks a question, it's not because there's something he doesn't know. You clear? Whenever God asks a question, it's not because there's something he doesn't know. And so God has given Ezekiel here the gift of a new question. And in the valley of dry bones, in the valley of dry, dead bones, God gives a new question. And what's the question? Can these bones live? Can these bones live? Okay, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is not a question that any of us would ever ask standing in a valley of, of dry, dead bones. That question never even comes to mind. None of us would ever think, I wonder if these bones could live again. That is not a question we ask. And this is exactly why God provides the question. Do you understand? God needs to blow Ezekiel's mind here. God needs to expand Ezekiel's way of thinking. God needs to bring Ezekiel into a, a way of seeing the world the way God sees the world. Now understand this. God lives in a realm of radical possibility. God lives in a realm of radical possibility. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. That's radical possibility. That means with God, there is absolutely nothing, nothing that is not possible. That's where God dwells. That's how God sees the world. That's how God sees your life. Infinite, radical possibility. God dwells in a realm of radical possibility. He just wants you to live there too. Do you understand? You have to come and live there too. If you're going to have faith in this God of radical possibility, then you've got to learn to live in a world that is absolutely filled with radical possibility. Not because of your circumstances, but because of God. You understand? He is a God of radical possibility. All things are possible with him. All things are possible with him. So God gives the gift of a new question. Can these bones live? Ezekiel would have never thought to ask that. He would have never imagined that possibility. But give him a little bit of credit here. At least he's got the faith to say, Lord, I don't know, but you must know. If you're asking the question, you must know. You alone know, Lord. Can they live? At this point, I'm not asking you to, 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 to believe a whole lot. I'm just asking you to at least entertain the question. 
Whatever it is about your life right now that seems so dry and dead, whatever it is about your life that seems so hopeless, will you at least entertain the question with God? Just for this moment, will you at least ask, what's possible here? Is it possible that I can find joy again? Is it possible for me to recover hope? Is it possible, just possible, that tomorrow could be at least a little bit better than than today is? Is it possible that somehow this dry, dead sack of bones, which is my marriage, is it possible for these bones to live again? This dry sack of bones, which is my heart, is it possible for my heart to love again, to to find faith again? Is it even possible? I'm just asking you with the Lord here to at least let the question hang there for a moment. What's possible? Can these bones live? What, What can God do with any sack of dead bones? You alone know. Ezekiel says, God, you're the only one that knows. So God says, preach. When you're talking to a preacher, the the answer to every problem is, well, it's a sermon. you got to preach. But he's supposed to preach to who? Preach to what? Dead bones. I've had Sundays that felt like that, but still, it's not the same thing. Ezekiel actually had to do it. Preach to dead bones. And what did he tell them? Bones? Listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. And what does the word of the Lord say? I'm going to bring you back to life. Listen to the word of the Lord. He preaches to the bones, and he preaches the word to the bones. And it's amazing. What happens is he starts to preach God's word. It's, it's kind of shake, rattle, and roll all across the valley. I just love this picture. It's just hilarious and, and impossible to think about how those bones just start scooting across the dirt and finding each other. That's the picture that Ezekiel paints here. The bones just sort of begin to rattle and pop, and, and they find each other. The skull crawls over and gets on the neck, and then the arms come and attach, and fingers, and, and the skeletons attach, and then what? Muscles grow. I'm still waiting for that to happen. Muscles start just growing. And then skin just crawls up. Skin grows. And then what do you got? No longer a valley of of bones. What do we have now? Valley of dead bodies. A slight improvement. Now we've got a valley of, of dead bodies. And then the Lord says, preach again, keep preaching, preach again. This time, preach to the wind. Understand, in in the Hebrew language, there's only one word for wind, breath, and spirit. Only one word, it's it's ruach. It's the only word available. So so that's why all of these things sort of run together. He says, preach to the wind, and and preach to the four winds, and the winds come and, and bring breath and spirit into these bodies, and then they stand on their feet, a mighty ark. Only God could have seen that coming. But understand, God who has this infinite power, God for whom all things are possible, his power is is unleashed when we know and speak his word. It's about God's word. God has this power, but somebody's got to know it, somebody's got to believe it, somebody's got to speak it. And in your life right now, I would say that whatever it is that is dead or dying in you, what it needs is the word of God. You need to get in God's word. You live way too far from what God has said. You don't know what God has said. And this is your problem. 
that this is your problem. You have to know what God says. You have to know what God promises. See, in your life, you get frustrated with God because you don't get everything you want from God. But understand this very simple fact. God doesn't do everything I want, but he does everything that he says. Understand? He doesn't do everything that I want. When I pray, I don't get everything I pray for, but I do get everything he promises. God doesn't give me everything I want, but he does everything he says, and he communicates with us in his word. You need to know his word. You need to believe his word. You need to speak his word. You need God's word in you because that's where life comes from. That's how the power is unleashed. God can't begin to stir certain things in you because you don't even know yet what God has promised. You don't even know what he wants from you. You don't even understand what his purpose, what his plan is for you. It's in his word. You've got to know God's word. The power is unleashed when Ezekiel preaches the word. Now, in the absence of Ezekiel, you're going to have to preach the word to yourself sometimes. And this is what I'm telling you to do. Know what God says and then begin to repeat what God says back to yourself. you got to preach to the dead bones, which is your life. And you have to unleash God's word into your life. And that's where life comes from. God's word. And then God's spirit, it's the word, but it's also his spirit. God says, I will send my spirit. And when the spirit, when the breath, when the life comes back into these dead bodies, what happens? They're on their feet. They're on their feet. But how does the scripture describe them? They're up on their feet, verse 10, a great army. They were bones. Remember about five minutes ago, we were looking at just a valley of dead, dry bones. Now we're looking at a great army. When God does what he wants to do with his people, they are on their feet, alive, empowered, a great army. I love that. Now, being church people, we would have probably expected them to be on their feet, a great committee. I mean, that's what we would expect, a great committee. With an agenda a mile long and hours and hours. I mean, a, a great committee. Or in Kentucky, you might expect to be on their feet a great basketball team. No. No. That's not what God makes them. Not a great group of vacationers on the beach sipping lemonade and watching the waves roll in. It's, it's not that kind of life. They're an army. An army. So understand, even when God does what only God can do in your life, and even when he brings the dead bones back to life in, in your life, and he puts you on your feet, you still got battles to fight. Understand? It's not going to be a cakewalk here. You're not going to sit around in a folding chair and watch it all go by. You're still going to be on your feet, and you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight sometimes to hang on to hope. You're going to have to fight sometimes to hang on to faith. You're going to have to fight sometimes for the sake of love. But this is what the Scripture says. God will put you on your feet with the life and the power you need to fight victoriously. We're going to be a great army. That's the promise. That's the point. You understand? God can bring life back to any valley of dead bones, any sack of deadness. He brings life back to that. He can do that. Don't ever doubt what God can do. There's a church planter in Texas named Philip. 
they were actually having pretty good success. Sunday morning, they were about to baptize 30 people, 30 people in, in, in a brand new church start. Philip had prepared for the baptism by going out and buying like a kiddie pool, uh, just a, a big outdoor pool. And, and the plan was just to fill that kiddie pool and then bring those 30 people in and baptize them and celebrate what God was doing at the church. Thing was, at the very last minute, and you know, it's always at the last minute, at the last minute, Philip realized that they didn't have a hose. They needed a garden hose that they could hook up and fill the pool. So right here, right before everything starts, he's got to get a garden hose. So he just sort of leaves everybody where they are and starts walking to his car. His planes are run up to Lowe's real fast and, and, and grab a garden hose and come right back. Well, as it turns out, before he gets to his car, th this man walks up. The man, turns out his name is John. John walks up and says, are, are you the preacher? He says, yeah, I, I am. Now, Philip's plan is just to sort of talk to him while he keeps walking to his car because he does not have time to talk because he needs a hose, right? He needs a garden hose in, in a really bad way. So he's kind of walking to his car and, and says, I'm, I'm going to my car, but, you know, come on, walk with me and I'll talk to you. He says, no, no, Pastor, I really need to speak with you in private. So Philip stops and uh, takes him inside the church into the office there and, and they start talking. John says, Preacher, I... I know that you're not expecting me today and not prepared for this conversation. You don't know me, but I just need to know if it's real. Philip said, what do you mean? He said, what you have preached about God being a God who loves you no matter what. And God whose love never runs out, never leaves. A God who loves you no matter what you do. Is that real? And Philip said, yes, absolutely. It's, it's the most real thing I know. John said, well, I need it to be real and I need you to be real. Because I'm desperate. John said, I, I struggle with homosexual attraction. And, and I know what the Bible says. And I'm trying my best to live a life that would please God. But I'm failing here. I'm failing miserably, and I don't know what to do. I went to a church up the street. They welcomed me until they found out my struggle, and then they showed me the door. And honestly, you're sort of my last, my last chance. I just need to know if it's real. Philip began sharing the gospel and sharing Christ with John that day right there in the office. Promised him that the gospel's real. That God has power to change our lives and that God's power, his forgiveness, his mercy never runs out, never leaves. It was a beautiful moment of salvation for John that day. Now Philip's thinking, I'm never going to get that hose. I'm never going to get that hose. And about that time, John says, well, uh, Pastor, I know you need to get back to the people, but I said, I'll tell you one more thing. I wasn't coming to church here today. I didn't leave with the plan to stop by here. My plan was actually to drive right past this church out into the country and kill myself. Philip said, did you have a plan for that? What was your plan? He said, well, my plan was this. I got up this morning and I drove straight into town and I bought a garden hose. I was going to go out into the country and duct tape the garden hose to my tailpipe and bring it into the car and, and asphyxiate myself. To which Philip said, you have a hose? <laughs> you have a hose? 
He had a hose. <laughs> a brand new hose. He delivered it from Lowe's. You understand, his plan was to use that hose to take his life that morning. But instead, they used the hose and filled the pool. And that morning, Pastor Philip baptized 31. Do you understand? Book of Romans says that God is the God who brings the dead back to life and calls into existence the things that do not exist. God is the God who brings the dead back to life, calls into existence the things that do not exist. Your, your problem is not your circumstances. Your problems are not your problem. Your problem is that you've lost hope. That you no longer believe in a God for whom all things are possible. That you no longer trust that God will help you. That you really don't believe that God will make a difference for you. You see, you've lost hope. And when you lost hope, you lost faith. So today, I, I just kind of want to give you the gift of a new question. When you look at the dead bones of your life, the dead bones of your circumstances, your, your marriage, when you look at the dead bones of the valley that you're standing in, just will you stop for one moment and ask, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Sometimes a new question is all you need to uh, set your heart hoping again. This is what God wants for you, to, to set your heart hoping again. Pray with me. God, most of us believe with at least part of our hearts that everything is possible with you. It's just that with the other part of our heart, we're not sure that you're going to do it for us. We're not sure that you will make a difference in the valley of our lives. It's just, Lord, that what is dead in us seems so dead, so dry, so finished, so gone. Lord, we can hardly imagine that tomorrow could be different, and we wouldn't know what to do if tomorrow was different, Lord. We have lived in darkness and hopelessness for just so long. God, help us to understand that we can live again, that you are the God who brings the dead back to life, Lord, that there is nothing that you can't do, and that, Lord, you want more than anything to show us that you're God. You want more than anything to show us that you're the God who does what he says he will do. You want more than anything, Lord, for us to believe again so that we can hope again and learn how to love again. Lord, this is what you want. This is what your word says. So let us hear your word today, Lord. Be filled with your spirit today, Lord. And let these old bones live. You alone know. You alone can do this. So, Lord, do this. Breathe on us. 
put the pieces back together for us. Bring the dead in us back to life through Jesus. We pray these things in his name.